Hello again. It is Chris Lee and Gavin Schoenwald of Southeastern 14 here to talk a little SEC football. It is Friday. We got all kinds of football coming to you this weekend. Going to spend a lot of time on Missouri, Georgia. Certainly a game of interest to us and our audience. Um, always looking for sponsors. Caroline.smith at southeastern14.com. If you were interested, Gavin. We're, we're 24 hours out from the kickoff of a football weekend. Uh, it, it only yep. gets bigger from here on out. It cannot wait to see tomorrow's games, particularly two. That's right. And, you know, it's a good slate. I'd say actually it's a solid slate all the way around, but I think there's two that really stand out from the rest. You know, one that I feel like we've all been looking forward to for two weeks now because they both were on, you know, buys last week between Bama and LSU, you know, the implications of how that ended last year on the last play in Baton Rouge and whatnot. And then Georgia, Missouri, which I know that you and I are going to talk a lot about today, Chris, um, going back to last year as well, what a game that was. And, and now the stakes are even higher. The implications are higher. And, um, you know, Missouri has got a chance to go in there and, and, um, you know, give their fans, you know, memories of, of a lifetime, to be honest with you, Chris. And, um, you know, what, what an opportunity here, uh, from Missouri, but also, you know, Georgia has a chance here to, to flex its muscle and flex its muscle early. So it's going to be awesome. I'll be glued to that couch and, um, you know, really excited to watch all these games. Yeah, I say, too, there's really a third game. I think Ole Miss and A&M could be a sneaky good game because, again, you look at predictive computers. You, you say what you want. Ole Miss has got one loss. A&M has three. We all know about the, the A&M disappointment. But at the end of the day, yep. they got some dudes on defense and offense. And we we talked earlier in the week about how AM has a tendency to keep just about every SEC game close. Yeah. And the, the reason the reason that they do is because I think they, that, that that could be a sleeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reason that they do is because their talent is yeah. either exactly if not better than the other teams they play or exactly the same. They're never gonna be um, you know, out talented, so to speak. Uh their roster is as good as anybody in this conference. They just have to find a way to you know put it together. And so yesterday we went through the bull predictions. If you guys want to go back on our channel and check out uh, Thursday's show, it's usually when I give uh, bull predictions, which is not you know what I think is going to happen, but something that's very very possible and maybe some storylines or game scripts. And you know for this game, it was I think A and M is actually going to come out to a hot start and take a lead against Ole Miss, and then Ole Miss is going to surge in those middle quarters. Um, but I do think it's going to be a one score game. You know A and M's been in, been toe to toe in one score games with Alabama, been toe to toe in one score games with Tennessee. And, you know, they, they've been able to prove they can play with anybody, but we haven't been able to say they can beat anybody. And so that's what I'm really excited to see. If AM can take that next step this weekend, but I do think it's going to be a really, really good game, Chris. All right, before we get to that one, our show presented by Bet Online, the last of major pro sports leagues, that being the NBA, is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. College basketball is Monday. Gavin, can you believe that? That's nuts. Can't wait for that. We'll have you covered there. Bet online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and a UFC and NHL are all in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to the bet on, or excuse me, head to bet online today. Remember to use our promo code Believe. That is B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Well, Missouri and Georgia starts tomorrow in Columbia. Uh, kickoff time for that one. That is your dandy of a CBS game at two thirty. Uh, Georgia about a sixteen point favorite with the fifty six and a half point over under. Computers have got Georgia anywhere from 12 to to 16 point favorite. We went over some of this stuff on our Georgia Missouri preview on our channel. Give me your quick thoughts on this one because I got some things we want to dive into on both sides of the ball. Things that you see as keys. Yeah, I um, you know, when we when we talked yesterday, Chris, and again the bull predictions. You know, I think Georgia has a chance to jump them out the gate and, and score first, which they have not really done all year. They haven't started fast. Um, really, they've kind of let, which is shocking to me to see from a Kirby Smart coach team and the culture that he's built, which has been basically competitive excellence. You know, they kind of almost feel it out in the first you know half quarter or quarter, and then they, they step on the gas. Um, the only time I've seen them do that is against Kentucky, where 
you know, the, the game was over after the first possession. And I think that's something that they have an opportunity to do here early in this game. At the same time, Chris, you know, you and I talked yesterday, what an opportunity for Mizzou and Coach Drink. What an opportunity and how far, you know, they've come, how much better they are than, than last year. You know, we, we went at length, so many off-season shows, Chris, you and I spoke before this, this season kicked off. And all we talked about was Missouri's defense giving them a chance to win these games, right? But now it's the offense, right? It's Brady Cook, a gritty quarterback who plays with the heart on his sleeve. Yeah. It's, it's Luther Burden, who's explosive. And, and when that guy has the ball in his hands, or even when the ball's in the air on the way to him, you know, you're grabbing your clipboard as a coach on the sideline, you know, nervous that something bad's not going to happen. And then Schrader, who, who, who runs really, really hard. And, you know, you have to defend all three levels of that offense. It's really tough. But, man, what a journey Missouri has been on from, you know, being totally defensive dependent. And now they're playing complementary football with their offense coming around. So, man, an unbelievable opportunity. It's going to be in a crazy environment. Georgia knows the stakes. I'm sure Missouri knows the stakes as well. But, you know, if I'm Missouri, I'm going in there. I got nothing to lose. All the pressure is on Georgia, right? They're home, back-to-back national championship. You're playing with no pressure, mm-hmm. absolutely no pressure. Go in there and absolutely let it rip. I'm really, really excited for this game, Chris. My buddy Gabe DeArmond wrote some stuff at PowerMizzou.com this week, and he just did sort of a notebook-style update on this game. And one of the things he said is he's got is he talked about Missouri's offense being one of the best in the country. Mm. I thought, well, wait a minute, I, I might pump the brakes on that a yeah, little bit maybe, because yeah. when we look across that team, it's like you got Luther Burden. And you got some guys like we've talked about Brady Cook having a really good year. I think has exceeded everybody's expectations. Yeah. Same with Cody Schrader. Yeah. But but then I started thinking and looking a little bit more. And here's the thing: Missouri's having averaging seven yards in offensive snap. Mm-hmm. That's pretty close. good. Absolutely. Um, and, and they're running it. They're running it fifty one percent of the time. They're throwing it forty nine percent of the time. In other words, you don't really know what is coming next because they have been able to get balance. Mm-hmm. Missouri has been consistent. I don't have the, the stat sheet in front of me, but I don't know what their lowest scoring output is, but they haven't had like a 10-point game yet that I remember. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, you know, even the LSU game, they, they scored a lot of points, but they just, you know, LSU, that's what they do. They just bludgeon you to death with that offense. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought about it in those. They're, they're turning it over in, in addition to the to the yards per play. Seven yards a play is great. Turnover rate one point one percent. I mean, I, I get that they have not played Alabama's schedule, but man, that's seven yards a play and a turnover rate just over one percent. That's that's really 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 good. Yeah. No. And and you know what it is about the offense, and, and I'm really glad that you went through those statistics there, Chris. Thank you, because I didn't even realize that. And I know you do an unbelievable job. I want to give you your props there about how how much you dive into the quantitative data, and I want to give you your credit there because it helps me a lot too as your as your co-host. But being 51% to 49%, I mean that's literally about as balanced as you can get. You can say 50-50, okay, whatever. Throw yeah. out 51-49. That's about as balanced as you can get. And so, and not only that, but you're averaging seven yards of play which tells me when I'm preparing for Missouri, if I'm a defensive staff or a defensive coordinator, and I'm, I'm preparing for Missouri, it's not like I'm going up against, um, you know, uh, a Mississippi State in the Mike Leach era where I know they're going to throw it every single down, right? And I'm saying, okay, we just got to eliminate yep. that. You know, you have to defend so many aspects of this offense. And not only that, but just like you said, they're averaging over seven yards of a snap, which tells me they're – not only efficient, but they're explosive when they're doing when they're moving the ball. And that's unbelievably impressive. And like I said, this is on top of a Missouri defense that we've given so much credit for throughout the years. But you know what this game's really going to come down to, Chris. You look at the history of of or really just not history because that sounds forever ago, but just recent history, the past, right? Uh Georgia's won 20 plus games in a row at home. Right. And Missouri is 0 and 17 against number one teams. And for all like history is stacked up against Missouri right now as well. And I, I read this too, Chris, when I was, when I was yeah. preparing for the show and, and poking around. And, and, and this this hit me really, really hard. A number one team, a number one team in the AP poll, right, has not lost at home since the beginning of the college football playoff in 2014. But George is not number George is not number one. George is number two in the playoff rankings. And that is what Kirby Smart is barking (laughs) at those guys in the locker room. Kirby Smart, I'm telling you, when those rankings came out on Tuesday, Chris, 
when those rankings came out on Tuesday and Georgia's won however many games in a row and have two trophies with the most recent years on them in their trophy case, and they came out as number two, I guarantee you that was put on the locker room doors. It was yeah. the first thing Kirby Smart said on the team meeting on Wednesday morning. I guarantee you. And so if you, you know, we talked about the pressure being on Georgia. I just said that a couple minutes ago. But damn, if you think that Georgia's not going to come out and play with an edge, I, I don't think I don't think that you're you're correct there, to be honest with you. So a lot of implications here, man. Missouri has the chance to do nearly the impossible. Obviously, the computers in Vegas are stacked against them as well, being you know double-digit uh, underdogs. But man, what a what an opportunity! And I'm just I'm just so excited. I feel like I could go on and on talking about this game. Well, you talked about Missouri's defense and un- underachieving would be hard. I thought that Missouri would have some better numbers than we've seen so far, 23 mm-hmm. points a game that it's allowed. I would have thought that number might have had four or five points shaved off it, 5.3 yards per play allowed. Good, maybe not great, but this is the defense. We've talked about how experienced the secondary is, and there's one other thing to, to keep an eye on this weekend. Missouri's fairly healthy. And I think starting middle linebacker Chad Bailey might not play. That's something to watch. But Darius Robinson's been banged up for a while. Seems like he's getting better. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Cody Schrader is too. We'll, we'll yeah. touch back on the Missouri offense in just a minute. But, again, they, they've got dudes there. Robinson's the guy that they thought I think was their most talented guy coming into the season. He's been playing at less than 100% for a while. Uh, they had an off week last week. Uh, the week before was South Carolina, and they they jumped them pretty hard in that one. Yeah, and so I don't know if they got him some rest down the stretch of that game, but I'm thinking a healthier Darius Robinson back to a defense that, that you look across the board. No, it's not vintage Alabama or vintage Georgia, but they've got good players on every level of the ball, and so I'm interested to see what that looks like with Robinson a little bit healthier. Yeah, and, and they have gotten healthier as well, but they are missing in this game. Missouri is their linebacker, Chad Bailey, who's a guy that I personally went up against when I played him last year. Um, he's kind of been playing. He missed the first you know month this season and then has been in and out of the lineup. But, um, I mean, ta- total like 100-plus tackles between his sophomore and junior year. Was a leader for them, a vocal leader. Um, I, I, you know, although he wasn't in on every single play last year when we played him, you know, you feel his presence, and especially at the linebacker position, um, your job is so much more than tackling the ball carrier. It's getting guys in the right gaps, getting guys in the right schemes. And so it'd be interesting to see, especially early on, you know, who, who's calling Missouri's defense and who's getting them lined up. Um, it's going to be interesting. But my thoughts and prayers go out to him. I know he's had an injury plague season. But, um, you know, you go up against these guys, I, I can name dozens of guys that I've gone up against in my career in this conference who I'm trying to rip their head off on game day. But, you know, I, I respect the hell out of them because I know what it takes to – to get there, I know how hard those guys work, and so and he's one of them. So my thoughts and prayers go out to him. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with Missouri's defense in terms of you know who's calling it, who's get who's getting them lined up, and who's kind of being that vocal leader on defense. Gavin, I think we've been hacked. <laughs> we got 007 Michigan. 007 Michigan stealing our show notes, man. Come on, don't be don't be coming in here in disguise we're like being, you're we're being watched. That's it. That is that is a phenomenal screen name. You know what? Real quick, I want to say something about that. Real quick, Chris. Real quick is I saw about amongst all this stuff that's going on with Michigan, right? And I know we're going to jump right back into the SEC play, but I saw and the best take on this of this whole two week debacle with Michigan football has been Callen Coward, and he said or Colin Coward, and he said, you know, everyone signs deals. It's like the, when the interstate when the speed limit on the interstate is sixty five and everyone's going seventy five, right? Everyone's doing it. Jim Harbaugh is just going 95 in his Maserati. He's doing the same thing as everybody else. He's just doing it a different way. And in doing it, you know, pushing the limit even yeah. further. And so, look, everyone signs. Jim Harbaugh is just find a way to done it. It's going to be interesting to see if the Big Ten punishes him or what that's like. But it's 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 a little bit of a sauce. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. And, and I would hate for them to punish this year's kids, to be honest with you. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I want, uh, coaches might say it's more like doing 114. But uh... – yeah, but that's coaches because the play. Uh, did did, did you see the poll? Did you see the poll that they ran at? I can't remember if it was the athletic. I think it was oh, anonymous poll. Ninety four percent of coaches had had an issue with it. Oh really? Well, yeah. So that I found that to be interesting. So, 
That is interesting. But I, I mean, it's also Harbaugh. So he's he, he does it to himself. He right. Himself. Jim Harbaugh is just kind of and we'll get back to to Michigan. I mean, to Michigan, <laughs> Georgia, Missouri in just a second. But <laughs> they're, they're in my head now. Um, Harbaugh just seems like he's in. OK, I'm going to win now. Mode. You do what you do with you're gonna do with me. And if you if you do it, I'm just gonna get out and go to the NFL because that's been the the backdrop of talk around him for, for a few years now. Yeah, I don't think he cares. I just think he wants to win. I don't think he cares. And I think he knows that Yes. I think he's got a personal vendetta against the NCAA both ways. Both I ways. think it's mutual. Right, right. Uh but uh back back to Missouri. Here here's my concern. I mean, I have, I have a few concerns. It's just a lot of it is just talent. Like Cody Schrader's done a lot for Missouri. He's had a nice year, great story, but he's a Division II transfer. Um, Brady Cook having a great year. Yep. If, if you had a short list for best quarterback in the yeah. league this year, Brady Cook would be on it in this league. Mm-hmm. Those was. guys, though, were not the everybody in the world is after them out of high school guys like Georgia is, that they're going to go to the NFL and be first-round picks. I just think that there is – there's one thing to look at it statistically, which God knows I'll do that ad nauseum. But when yeah. you start breaking it down in terms of, like, if you if you declared free agency today in college football and you just had a draft, where would these guys be taken? I I, I think there would be a little difference there. Yeah, no, I, I'm with – and look, these weren't guys that we talked about being all-world players heading into the season, right? And so a part of me, you know, now that I see how they're playing, it's like, okay, there's there's really two things here. Is one, I got to give credit to the developmental staff at Missouri, whether it's strength and conditioning, whether it's drink and the offensive staff. You know, Brady Cook, they, I, I, he, he got a fan. I said this earlier. He, he made a fan out of me with that early quote in the season. When because he because we all heard the noise and, and dude, I was I was playing against Brady Cook, and so like. I would, you know, hear the chatter in Missouri fans and in this conference about, you know, Cook basically not being good enough and how he's just kind of a placeholder and they're waiting for a better talent to come in. And earlier this season, he had a, a golden quote that basically said, I, I love playing quarterback at the University of Missouri. I wish I wish other people felt the same way. And 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 that hit me hard as a player, man. And ever yeah. since then, you know, he's he's took it and ran with it. He's gritty. I think he enables drink and his brand of football that Missouri is doing there. Same with Schrader. And then you pair them with with an unbelievable, you know, obviously five star recruit in Luther Burden, who's you know turned out to be you know just as advertised at Missouri, and they've gotten to be pretty dang good. And so I got to give my credit there. And you know stuff like this, man. If if Drink's doing this now at Missouri with these type of guys, who just like you said, Chris, were not highly regarded out of high school, yeah, recruited or whatever it is, and then you gain momentum and you start getting these kids who who are four or five star kids with all this talent, you know. What's the ceiling for Missouri with with Eli Drinkwitz? Because because to be honest with you, it, I think it could be a lot higher than we ever anticipated when he was first hired. And so you know, what an unbelievable! I got to give my credit yeah. there. What an unbelievable job! But but as we know, you know this this conference has a uh, it's very short minded and it's very um, you know I want the satisfaction now. And so we need to see the consistency as well. However, they end the season rolling into next season as well, Chris. But I got to give my props to. To Eli Drinkwitz and and the guys who drew it on the field, you know Brady Cook, Cody Schrader, all those guys because they were not highly regarded, but man, are they proving it this year? Yeah, I mean he is bringing in good recruiting classes, and yeah. and you give him a a ten win season, I would think he would be able to maybe take that up a notch. I mean, I mm-hmm. I think though in this one, it, it kind of feels like, look, I'm, I'm sure the the coaches and players, if if I said there's there's face, I'm sure they would yell at me or laugh at me or whatever. But but it has the feel of a Missouri team that's playing with house money. I don't think anybody expected them to be at this point, to be in, in the conversation for the playoff. If things break right, a lot of stuff has to go right. They've got one loss. They're 12th in the rankings. But there's a chance. I mean, there's, there's a path for Missouri that you mm-hmm. could spell out if you wanted to. Georgia, on the other hand, yeah. hey, they are just expected to win every week. Yeah, And I think Kirby Smart has done a phenomenal job of making his team better under the pressure rather than cracking under it. But mm-hmm. in Carson Beck, I, I think that I like his chances to win a game like this a little better now that he's gone through 
the South Carolina game where they're down at half. Uh, he's yeah. gone through some things early in the season where it didn't look great. He's getting better and better, but there is still pressure on these guys not to be that guy. But somebody dropped this in the chat, and and, and maybe this is the thing. This, this is the thing. I think we said this earlier in the week. Like, if, if you were Missouri, would you rather have gotten blown out a year ago against Georgia mm-hmm. and, and maybe had that in the back of your head going into this game? Or do, do you like the fact that your team played them close a year ago and you're going, hey, if you're Eli Drinkwitz, guys, we played with these guys a year ago. Yeah. No reason we can't do it again. Yep. But on the other sideline, it's Georgia. And you talked about Kirby Smart and motivation, and, and my goodness. Yeah. Um, the, the number two in the playoff poll, I, I guarantee that's going to be used. The what about Missouri thing last year, mm-hmm. as Chris Black brings up, that's valid. How do you see the the dynamics of, of all the motivation for both sides playing out? Mm-hmm. And, and we spoke about this a little bit yesterday, Chris, but I, I said I wish I could be a fly on the wall uh, at both these teams' facilities during the week of preparation because I'm super interested to see, you know, as, as a coach – I experienced this as a player. I have buddies throughout the country who who play, you know, power five football. And, and you know, we kind of talked throughout the week as we were preparing for games. You know, how are you feeling? What are you looking about your team? Um, and, you know, there's always like a narrative or like a uh, a purpose or a theme of the week. Um, and I want you to see what that's like, you know, for Missouri. I'm sure it has to be right. It has to be because right now you're riding at an all time confidence level in drinks time, in Missouri. Right. And not only that, but you're riding high, but you're staring up this mountain that is Georgia, who's won you know 20 plus games at home in a row and back to back national champions. It's a giant mountain. And so how can you lift your team up? And I think Drink's doing that by bringing up last year's game. You know, they are light years better than they were last year. Missouri is light years better than they were last year. Offensively, you know, all around as a whole playing complimentary football. So if I'm Drink, which I'm sure he's doing, motivating these guys, talking about, look how well we played them last year. You know, what an opportunity we have to do it this year. If I'm Kirby, I think it's the similar, but, you know, in the opposite narrative of, you know, we went in there last year. They're, they're saying this is what he drinks saying in the locker room right now. Motive is getting, they really think they can come in here and beat you. And I guarantee you, that's why I said I think Georgia's going to come out fierce mm-hmm. playing with an edge is because this is it's not like this is just a, you know, oh, there's a there's some momentum from um from, a, you know, a lower. I don't want to say lower tier. That's not what I mean, but you you understand. It's not you know Alabama or LSU coming to play Georgia yeah. and Athens. It's Missouri who hasn't who hasn't been as good as these teams in, in recent years, right? I think it all has to do with last year's game, just like you said, Chris. And so if last year's game was a blowout, I think it'd be easy for Georgia not to get as excited about this game. But because it was close, and like we said yesterday, it wasn't just close. Like there were some real deal moments in that second half last year where I thought Missouri was going to win the football game, like some real moments. Yes, and. You know, it came close. I'm sure. I, I'm sure if I felt it as a viewer, I'm sure there were guys in Georgia uniforms on that sideline saying, "Dang, are we about to lose this game?" That's very real. That's a very real narrative that happens in players' head. You know, through the sidelines as well. And there's also moments where you know a guy makes a play, or you get a explosive, or you know something like a fake punt or something like that, and you say, "We're going to win this football game." I felt those moments as well. And so it's all about the game flow, all about the momentum of a game, the momentum of a season, but. Yeah, the, the narratives heading to this one are maybe as as, as uh, exciting as maybe any other game in this conference, really throughout the whole year. All right, let's give our picks in a minute. Before we do, a shout out to our sponsor, MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you sick of working for someone else, looking for a better life that you can live on your terms and someone who can help you understand the risks and rewards of that? Andy Ludicky of My Perfect Franchise is that guy. He'll help you find the perfect franchise based on your goals, your dreams, your skills, your financial requirements. In other words, your personalized American dream. He will educate you on the process and work with you every step of the way. No obligation. His services are free. The the, the thing that I love about Andy is he's just a guy easy to talk to. He's got a conscience. He's just not out to make a buck or, or make his work easy. He takes a lot of time and make sure that he matches you and your skills and what you're looking for with your family to the right franchise. And he's got a lot of them he works with. So he is very diligent, very conscientious about it. Give him a call, 404-973-9901. Fill out a free questionnaire to get started and tell him you heard about it at Southeastern 14. All right, Gavin picks. I'm going Georgia. I think the spread is, is about right. 
there's a little bit of nagging thought in the back of my head that says this is just the the place where Georgia puts the hammer down on people because we've mm-hmm. seen it time and time and time again. Yep. Um, I, I want this to be a close game, and I hope it is because I, I want to be going to the fourth quarter going, who is going to win? That That's going to be compelling football. But uh, there's that little nagging thought that says, I just have seen Georgia in this spot too many times, and, and I think that Vegas got it about right. Yeah, that's you know that's what I said in my bold predictions yesterday. You know, I, I think the script is going to be really similar to what Kentucky Georgia was earlier in the year, which was you know Kentucky came into Athens undefeated night game. Everyone you know Ray Davis was coming off hot against Florida. How are they going to stop him? And 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 it wasn't even a game. Georgia put it to bed early, and that's what I think is going to happen in this one as well. I hope I'm wrong. I really really hope I'm wrong because I want to see a great game. I want to see Brady Cook cook in Athens, Georgia against, uh, you know, the, the Georgia defense and whatnot. And, and so one, and another thing I want to say um, about Brady Cook, which I admire, is, you know, you look at him, the two quarterback, this quarterback matchup, Chris, in this game, you look at Brady Cook and Carson Beck. You know, Carson Beck starts the season, not a lot of confidence, you know, has been there for a while, but in terms of playing time, still raw, right? But his arm talent and his arm is alive. And I see that similar to, you know, last night we're watching – uh, you know, Titan Steelers on Thursday Night Football, Will Levis's arm is alive. He doesn't need, you know, uh, um, mm-hmm. he doesn't need, you know, his feet in the ground, this and that. He, he's naturally gifted. And Carson Beck is very similar. I'm not sure if if Brady Cook's arm is, is up to that par, but, man, has he rung, has he and the Missouri offensive staff, you know, rung that towel and gotten every little bit of talent out of him as they possibly could. So I got to give my credit there. Very, very unique quarterback matchup here, and I'm really excited for it, but I do believe George is going to run away with this one. Okay, let's just run down chronologically on the schedule and, and give quick thoughts and, and picks. AM and Ole Miss, we talked about that one a little earlier in the week. Everything says this is going to be a close game. Every computer, Vegas, nobody has got this more than a six-point game in Ole Miss's favor. Some of them even have this, if it were on a neutral field, is – a game in which AM would be favored by a point and a half. That would be SP plus, which seems to be an outlier in a lot of places. I don't say that disparagingly. I really like SP plus. It just goes about it in a different way. Point being, a lot of people see this game as a close game. We have talked about AM's propensity to make its SEC losses close. Yeah. I could I could see AM winning this game, but when it comes down to it, you got Lane Kiffin on one sideline. You got Jimbo Fisher on the other. And uh, th- this just in, I, I trust Lane Kiffin more to win this kind of game than I do Jimbo Fisher. Maybe that is oversimplifying it. Yeah. But you know, if, if my life depends on it, I've got to make a pick and I've got to give a reason why. Oh, that and Ole Miss playing at home. There you go. Yeah. At the same time, Chris, you know, for some reason, I feel like those two guys, I feel like it's it's always like a little personal when they play each other, right, between Jimbo and Lane Kiffin. And I feel like that's been because, you know, Kiffin pokes the bear at everyone, especially Saban every time they, you know, every year they play and, and in the offseason, you know, is not afraid to speak his mind about things going on. And so, you know, no one in this conference has been more more vocal about what's going on at A&M than, than Lane Kiffin. So, look, if we're talking about that, I guarantee you Jimbo's got a little personal vendetta against him as well. So this is going to be a close one. Like I said, I think AM's is actually going to come out to a lead and then, and then Ole Miss is going to kind of surge from behind. I do have Ole Miss winning by one score. I think it's going to be maybe by three, maybe four. Um, but A&M absolutely has a chance to win this game, more than a chance, to be honest with you, Chris. And if they do, um, you know, I think that's going to be kind of detrimental to Lane Kiffin because – you know, of all the stuff that he's talked about Jimbo in the past. I think there's a little – I really do think oh there's a little goodness. personal beef. The, the receipts are being beef. kept on that one, yes. I can promise you. Yes, yeah. and they will be shown They will be shown in those post-game, post-game pressers. I'm not worried about that. So, Yeah, Jimbo, either one of them, I want to see the press conference of, of both coaches when this one's over, yeah. no matter yeah. how it ends. No matter how it ends. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. All right, same time, and by the way, that one you can catch on ESPN 11 Central at the same time on the SEC Network, Tennessee and Connecticut. Okay, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this A. And and B, the the game is a 35-point line in Tennessee's favor. It is in Knoxville. There's a 53-point over-under. 
there's a score of 44 to nine that's predicted from all that. And uh, the, mm-hmm. the computers have that anywhere between 32 and 36 in Tennessee's favor. Connecticut considered one of the 10 worst teams in, in the country after I think going to a bowl a year ago, but I think gravity's kind of taken its toll. Look, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and break down a game and that's a total mismatch. I'm just going to give you some things that let's say that for some crazy reason, I'm not predicting it. This is a game midway through the third quarter. What will have happened? Okay. I'm looking at Connecticut's defense and 5.8 yards per play. Not awful. Mm-hmm. Given their bottom 10 team in the country, you know, the schedule's been pretty bad. And so I, I think, Mediocre totals against a bad schedule makes for a bad team, and I get that. Right. Uh, Connecticut is forcing turnovers nearly 2% of the time. If Tennessee is a little bit careless with the ball, um, if Tennessee is a little bit unfocused, and this is a team that, that I think is the most penalized team in, in the the league, that's, that's your path to making it interesting. Just that and the fact that right. Tennessee had a big game that it won last week, and then next week is what um, – at Missouri next week. Yeah. So it's the trap game between – look, I, I just don't think even if Tennessee doesn't show up, UConn's good enough to beat them. Mm-hmm. But if you want a path to this not being a 35-point game or more, uh, there it is. I mean, am I buying it? I, I don't know that I'm buying it. Uh, maybe to some degree, but uh, in, anything less than a Tennessee blow would be a, a surprise. But but yeah. if, if you want the recipe, there it is. Now, Tennessee is going to win this one big. It just, to me, depends on how they go about it, right? Um, is is the approach in this game going to be let's take – because they're not as in sync offensively as they were last year. If anything, they're the most inconsistent offensive team in the league. I kind of have no idea what's going to happen when I Tennessee's offense runs out there. They could go you know, 10 plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown and look impeccable, or they could go three and out with negative yardage. I'm not really sure. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see if the approach is, hey, let's let's batten down the hatches and, and really get this thing going. Or if it's, you know, let's just get up 28 nothing and, and try to get the youngster Nico in there, because I know a lot of people in that in that fan base think he's the future of that program. So it's just going to be an interesting approach. Like you said, anything more than a Tennessee blowout win would be shocking to me, Chris. OK, next up, Arkansas at Florida, which is the perfect time to tell you about chomps. It's my go to snack. Perfect. Hey. after a Workout halftime whenever. Uh, nine flavors is something for everybody. Start with the trial pack with six different flavors and all three proteins. Nine to 10 grams of protein and 60 to 100 calories per stick. Whole 30 keto and certified paleo, gluten-free, free of the top nine allergens and no hidden harmful ingredients. They are delicious and they are good for you. Get 15% off your order at Chomps with the promo code. I think it's SE14. That is in the ticker below. Um Eat your chomps while you're watching Arkansas going to Florida. Again, Arkansas is kind of that AM boat where the losses are piling up, although to a bigger degree, but they've been close. And again, mm-hmm. you're still seeing Arkansas as a top 40 team in the computers. I don't know that I'm buying that at this point. Yeah. I, I, I think know. gravity is starting to take a toll or maybe negative momentum, a, a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Arkansas is averaging a pitiful. 4.7 yards of play, that is just unfathomable. Uh, they do not run or throw it well. Florida's coming off a disappointing loss, but I think this is a team under Billy Napier where they've got a decent floor. You know, Other than Georgia, and Georgia can do that to anybody, they played decently well. You, you go back in the Utah game at Utah, no, nobody beats Utah in that building for the most yeah. part. I think this is a solid team. With a lot fewer holes than Arkansas, it's got a recipe to move the ball with Graham Mertz and company. Uh, I just don't have a lot encouraging to say about Arkansas at this point. And we know Billy Napier has lost what I think once in the swamp. So yeah, uh, yeah. T- take the Gators for me and and don't really think about it. Yeah, I think this one's going to be Florida as well, Chris. At the same time, I think this one could get uh, a little bit wacky, to be honest with you, because Arkansas is a desperate team, and desperate teams do desperate things. Sam Pittman's a desperate coach. And desperate coaches make desperate calls. There's going to be a fake punt somewhere. There's going to be a surprise onside kick. There's going to be a fake field goal. Something, you know, you and I talked about Chris yesterday, talked about stealing points. But I think stealing a possession in this one is going to be just as important because Florida does like controlling the game flow. They like to limit your snaps offensively. 
you know, Arkansas is going to look to see, you know, where can we steal, you know, a possession. We get a third down stop and, or, you know, we get stopped on third down. It's fourth and two, fourth and three. You know, maybe we snap it to the up back and find a way to convert on a fake punt. Um, you know, maybe we flip it to the kicker on a fake field goal, whatever it may be. I just think there's going to be some tricky stuff in this game because I think Arkansas knows they need those extra plays, extra possessions to create extra points in order to win this game. But I do, I do have Florida winning this one, Chris. Also at 11. We got four games at 11 tomorrow. Man. Um, this one is on ESPNU, not to be confused with ESPN2, which is where Arkansas and Florida is going to be. Gamecocks on Gamecocks, Gavin. Jacksonville State. I didn't even notice that. Carolina. Wow. Yeah. Gamecocks on Gamecocks. What we're here for to give you little things like this. Uh, South Carolina, about a 14 point favorite, 55 point over under predicted final would be 35 to 21. In that case, the computers have got this anywhere from 12 to 15 points. Again, I, I'm not predicting South Carolina will lose this game. Let's be really clear about that. But what I am giving you is a recipe for a potential upset. And it's this rich Rodriguez has done this before he did Florida state a couple of years ago. Uh, the defense allowing 18.8 points a game. And it look, their schedule's been pitiful. So keep that in context. Yeah. But they're allowing 4.7 yards per play, which is really good. 3.7 per rushing play. South Carolina cannot run the ball as we've established. And here's, here's maybe the two biggest things. How do you force turnovers, Gavin? What's the biggest way to force turnovers? You get pressure on the quarterback. What does Jacksonville State do? Jacksonville State likes to sack the quarterback. And South Carolina sucks. 30 times this year. And South Carolina yes. is and, and guess what the and guess what the outcome of that is? Jacksonville State's forcing turnovers 2.7% of defensive snaps. Wow. Wow. Again, I'm I'm not saying it is going to happen. For the record, I'm picking South Carolina. But if you look up and see a, an outcome you were not expecting on Saturday, I'm going to guess that is how Jacksonville State will have gotten there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd uh, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't say this, but Gamecocks and Gamecocks, a true cockfight in Columbia, South Carolina this weekend. I'm excited to watch this one, but man. Chris, you you we talked you know in a little bit before the show about this and the implications. You know, I I maybe had a little bit of a lazy take on this one because when I saw this um, game and this matchup in our pregame notes, what did I put, Chris? What did I put underneath the thing? Blowout. I, I just said blowout, right? But my man Chris diving into the numbers. You know, if there's a path to win for Jacksonville State, it is getting after the quarterback, which has been the story of South Carolina all season, which got majorly exposed in week one to the national audience against North Carolina. Remember that? There was like 10 sacks, like a ridiculous amount of number. And so now, you know, and, and if we know it, shit, they know it, right? And so South Carolina or yeah. Jacksonville State, how can they get after the quarterback? You know, what kind of games are they going to play? Um, simulated blitzes for you, you guys that don't know. Um, you know, it looks like they're they're sending more guys than they are, but they're really dropping a, a guy out in the coverage. I think there's some stuff you can do. Um, to give fits, fits is probably the best word to give fits to uh, to South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, and that offense. I do think South Carolina is going to win this game, but I don't think it's going to be a smooth sailing win, Chris. I, I do think South Carolina is going to end up winning this one, um, but man, I think Jacksonville State can really give them fits if they get after the quarterback and force some turnover, especially early in this game. All right, Auburn visits Vanderbilt three central on the SEC network. I will be in the press box for that one. I think you'll be in the stands watching your old teammates. Mm-hmm. Look, it's just not been a good year for Vanderbilt. Uh, Auburn has either gotten a little bit better on offense or last week was mirage. I don't really know at this point, but but Vanderbilt's defense has been awful against the run or pass. Teams are just able to kind of say, this is what we want to do and then go and do it. Auburn, apparently not the only team playing multiple quarterbacks tomorrow. I, I, I think Personally, I don't know why Vanderbilt just didn't stick with Ken Seals, uh, but they're going to go him and Walter Taylor, and I guess A.J. Swan might even be available in those. If Vanderbilt's going to win this game or make it interesting, it's going to have to force some turnovers and play a field position game. It does force turnovers at a 2.1% rate. Uh, When it is not forcing turnovers, it is ugly. 
because uh, it's not yeah. forcing a lot of punts and it's not stopping much of anything. Uh, Vanderbilt, one of the lowest penalized teams in the league, so is Auburn. Uh, Vanderbilt's special teams have slipped a little bit too. Uh, Matt Hayball, their punter, is tremendous. So if, if Vanderbilt, I, I expect Auburn to win this game. Vegas has got us a 14-point game. That's probably about right, although Vanderbilt has been dreadful at covering this year, so it could be more. But if Andy's going to win this game, I think they've got to come out with a better game plan. They've got to stick with Ken Seals, who I don't understand why they pulled that stunt last week and benching him for Walter Taylor middle of the game. I get that they couldn't protect him. They wanted to establish a run, but I think he is such a solid player for them and makes good decisions. So, to, to me, your chance for an upset if you're Vandy is ride Ken Seals, don't turn it over, kick your field goals when you get them, have Matt Hayball pin guys back and, and hope for a break here or there. Yeah, and that's that's kind of got to be the recipe for success for for Vandy, right? Um, it's got to, you know, it's it's really interesting because obviously there's no one who's watched this team, you know, maybe a little more, uh, you know, in depth as I have, just because I basically know everybody who's got a jersey on that sideline. Um, but you know what they've what they've done, which is super interesting. The best SEC game they've played so far has been that Georgia game, Chris. Like they they forced turnovers, they got after the quarterback. Um, pin deep. Uh, that's that's how you win football games. And look, Georgia didn't play their best in that game. I got you. But what did they do? They forced. I mean, they got after Carson Beck against a good Georgia offensive line. Forced turnovers early. Um, you know, they just missed opportunities early in that game to really, really push Georgia when they had to kick field goals in the red zone instead of scoring touchdowns. And that's that's a huge part of of winning and losing football games is converting in the red zone. So you know, for this one. It's just about you know what level of play does Vandy really bring? Because if they play at that level where they are, just like you said forcing turnovers, getting after the quarterback, making life uncomfortable for Auburn, you know, they absolutely have a chance to win this game. At the same time, you know, if they come out here and, and lay an egg, it may not be uh, it may not be a good fortune for, for Vandy. So, um, you know, obviously, like I said, I'll be there. Chris, I think you'll be there as well. Um, but, yeah, some interesting storylines in this one for sure. On the SEC Network after that one, Kentucky's visit to Starkville, which has been a weird series. I have trust issues with both teams, but I feel like with Kentucky, there were some things to like coming out of that game last week. Sure. Yep. yep. I like that they got Devin Leary right. I like that like that they got their talented receiving core involved. Ray Davis has, I don't know if you call it slumped a little bit lately, not been as productive. That may have to do more with other things than Ray Davis. Sure. So I yes I do I do have trust issues with Kentucky because I need to see Kentucky do what it did in the passing game a little bit more, but I got bigger trust issues with Mississippi State. Even when they had both quarterbacks, they couldn't decide what they wanted to be. They cannot defend the pass against good teams, and I feel like if if Leary dove into something that was starting to work a little bit, this is a chance for confidence. Now look, my hesitation is that Albatross hanging over Mark Stoops' head which is they have not won a road game against the SEC West, which he has been there, which is just mind-boggling. Yeah. But there's a first time for everything, and I think it'll be tomorrow. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and Chris, you you absolutely nailed it, brother. You nailed it. You know, I last week, Kentucky found something. And, I, and I've been as critical as anybody with Devin Leary because he came over as this all-ACC guy from NC State, and you pair him with Ray Davis and already a good receiving core and Barry and Brown and Dane Key and – it just it wasn't even average. It was way below average. They couldn't they didn't have any sync. Right. There was no chemistry. They get the bye week. They figure it out a little bit, run a bunch of routes on air. You're able to take a breath from the, you know, the, the sprinting start to the season. And they come out and Leary throws for 372 and, and multiple touchdowns and gets basically everybody involved. You know, now, not only that, but the opponent you're playing, you know, gave up a bunch of yards to Peyton Thorne and an Auburn, you know, passing offense that was invisible for the whole part of the season. And, you know, to me, that's a that's a recipe for success. And so you're right, Chris, you know, did Kentucky find something in its passing game last week? Absolutely. And what an opportunity to, to continue that. But I need to see that continued success, you know, before I'm ready to say, oh, OK, they finally did figure it out. But, man, you know, you said it. I, I don't fully believe in that passing offense in, in Kentucky because I need to see it for multiple weeks in a way. I mean, in a row. But, man, I got bigger, bigger trust issues, and I'm not very dependent on Mississippi State more so than Kentucky. So I got Kentucky winning this one in Starkville. 
Okay, last one, and this is the one everybody's going to be watching. 645 on CBS, Tigers on Tide. That has been a weird series for the road team over the history, although that's changed in the last decade or so. Alabama is about a four-and-a-half-point favorite, 59-and-a-half-point over-under. That makes for a final of 32-28. to 28. Uh, Computers have got this. Anywhere from a pick em to a seven-point Alabama win, team rank is the one that's, that's higher on LSU than anybody, and actually higher on LSU than Alabama. LSU's offense sends chills up anybody's spine trying to defend those guys. They're averaging nearly 10 yards a pass play, and no, nobody ever talks about LSU's running game, and a lot of this is Jay Daniels, 6.4 yards per rushing play. Gavin, that is that is tremendous. Yeah, that is even better than Tennessee. Yeah, they yeah. don't turn it over 0.9% of the time. So, the lesson here is LSU does not stop itself, others have to stop LSU. Mm. This might be the one defense that can do it. Yeah, I absolutely could. And, and you know, I think we look at this, or, and or maybe, say, maybe let me let me rephrase before. Somebody okay. takes this and runs it. Maybe I'd stop. Alabama's not going to stop LSU, but I think it's got a chance to slow them enough. Sorry. It, it does. It, it, they have a chance to slow them down. But, you know, when I look at the other side, I'm not worried about Alabama scoring points in this game, to be honest with you, Chris. They're going to be able to score points, especially because, you know, and I got to give my props here because we saw Alabama at the beginning of the season and we thought the sky was falling, right? Jalen Milrow is not nearly the talent. I'm just uh, saying what, what the narrative was. Jalen Milrow is not the talent they've had in the past. He's not Tua. He's not Bryce Young. He's not Jalen Hurts, all this kind of stuff. And so what we thought was going to happen is they were basically going to become this super run-dependent team and dink and dunk. It's been the opposite, man. They are dependent on Jalen Milrow's deep ball. Yeah. And that dude throws the best deep ball in the country. And so I got to give my credit there to him. I got to give my credit to, to Jermaine Burton. And, you know, I'm not worried about Alabama scoring points in this game because they are big play dependent. And not only that, you look at LSU's defense. People can say – Hey, they've gotten better, this and that. Okay, let's throw out Army, let's throw out Grambling State, and let's throw out Auburn, okay? Those are three lower-tier teams that LSU has played this year. They give up 45 points to Florida State. They give up 31 to Arkansas. They give up 55 to Ole Miss and 39 to Missouri. Alabama's going to score as many points as they want in this game. The thing is, can Alabama's defense slow down Jaden Daniels in the offense? And so for me, yesterday, if you guys can go back and look at Thursday's bold predictions, I think Jaden Daniels, this is a legacy game for him. We've, you know, We all know what – I'm not saying he's Joe Burrow. That's not what I'm saying, so don't come after me in the comments. But a huge opportunity to really catapult LSU forward and try to make people forget about the beginning of that season with the loss to Florida State and the other one. But what a legacy game here, a night game in Bryant-Denny, LSU, Alabama. I mean, come on, man, prime time. I think he's going to have a massive first half. But Kevin Steele and the Alabama defense, just like they did against Tennessee, is going to find a way to make the corrections at halftime, come out and stifle them and Alabama's going to win this game. But, man, what what storylines in this one from quarterback perspective? i got to give my props to, to Jalen Milrow, but, man, Jaden Daniels has not nearly, nearly gotten the credit that he deserves and absolutely deserves to be in New York come uh, come the wintertime. Yeah, and I think he will. Uh, to, to your point there, too, Alabama showed us that resilient component last yeah. week because yep. LSU can get out on you now and, and might. Like, mm -hmm. I could see LSU – Taking the opening kickoff, marching for for seven Absolutely. Alabama punts. LSU puts up another one, but Alabama's been through this once with its season on the line and, and down thirteen at half. And so, having you, you don't want to map it out like that, but having yeah. gone through it, Bama's got that in its pocket of, of yeah. saying, "Hey, we we know how to get out of this hole we you know created because we were there a week ago." Yeah, and and that's what. Um... Not only that, but I think that they've grown so much this year, Chris, because the opening loss to, you know, the beginning of the season loss to Texas at home, you know, they didn't expect to lose that game. I, I definitely didn't pick Alabama to lose that game at home. You know, it's their it's their first loss in 24 home games. They're 23 and one in their past 24 home games. You know, they go and, and look like an abysmal team, to be honest with you, against USF, which is a weird road game they're playing in, in general, and look like an unbelievable average team in that one as well. And they've grown. And so you grow, you grow in experience. And, you know, Saban's talked about we have a younger team inexperienced and, you know, it's Milrose first year. And so I got to give the props to the players, but also the coaches and how they've been able to dictate the script. You know, I think in, in years past, and I'm not saying this about, about the GOAT, Nick Saban, 
the greatest coach of all time, college coach of all time. I think he's had to maybe, you know, step into the fire a little more this year when he used to be able to kind of sit back and be a CEO and and let the coordinators really coach the X's and O's. You know, he's had to take a step into and really direct the, the, the narrative of the season because, man, what a roller coaster it's been. But sure enough, here we are the first week of November, and we're talking about Alabama being a favorite at home against LSU and having a path to Atlanta in the college football playoff. That's why he's the GOAT, y'all. That's why he's the best coach of all time. And, and so who knows if Brian Kelly can go in there and do it, but he sure as hell has got the offense too. Man, I'm pumped for the weekend. Me I too. think people are here are too. I'm, I'm looking. You got LSU, or you got excuse me, you got Missouri and Georgia fans going at it in the chat right now. Hey, it's it's a little fun to watch here. It's going. That's that's what I'm saying. I hope it's not a blowout. I hope it's not a blowout because I want to see Missouri. I think they've earned it. They've earned the right to go toe to toe with Georgia. Um, you know, on national TV, and everyone's going to be watching that game because everyone knows the implications. And so. You know that one, and then Alabama and LSU, man. It's just, um, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fiery weekend, and, and man, those those games have some implications as well for the rest of the country in terms of, in terms of playoff spots. So it's gonna be a great one. I feel like we need the Spider Man graphic to sum up the chat because it's 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 Georgia fans pointing Missouri fans going, you haven't played anybody, and, and Missouri fans pointing back at Georgia fans saying, yeah, but you haven't played anybody. Yeah, well, let's so what about we're at the standoff. And I know I know we're getting towards the end of the show here, but you know I'll I'll kind of I'll back up Missouri here a little bit, even though I have no Missouri ties, whatever. But man, Missouri really probably should have won that LSU game at home, right? They probably should have. They kind of let it slip away from them. You know, what if Missouri was undefeated walking in here? I mean, this would be the game of the year, and it still might be. It still might be. But what if Missouri was undefeated walking into Athens? I mean, if you don't think Missouri has faced a little bit of adversity, you know, that LSU game, and then they were able to rebound and keep going, I got to give my credit there. I got LSU's faced it as well. You know, a smacked in the mouth on national TV against Florida State on opening weekend. And you take another loss as the season comes along. And sure enough, we're still here talking about LSU having a chance to upset Alabama. You know, I think both teams have faced adversity, but this is what makes college football great. This is what makes college football great. We are here for it. Cannot wait to see what happens tomorrow. Be, be scoreboard watching elsewhere, too, because those games have an impact on the SEC in the playoff. We will be wrapping everything up Friday night. I'm going to guess we'll do something around 10 Central because – I'm just going to go out on a limb here, okay? LSU and Alabama start at 6.45 Central. I mean, I say 10. It might be more like 10.15 or 10.30. I'm going to go out on a limb and just say that they don't get done with that game in three hours flat. So whenever it is over or practically over, we will go live and talk about it. And, and man, I cannot wait to wrap up that and, and everything else in the SEC this weekend, Gavin. Yep, it's going to be a great one. Uh, as always, I appreciate you guys. Chris and I appreciate you guys hopping on here, engaging in the chat. This is what this is about, man. College football is about community, about debate. And, um, man, we, we love our football, and we know you guys too. So we always appreciate you all watching. All right. God bless everybody. Thanks for watching. Have a great day and a great weekend. We appreciate you watching Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.